0: Hello again, and welcome to Roots and Branches here at New Life Evangelical Free Church. This is Paul Arnerberg, your host, flying solo for the first time in our 34-episode history. Pastor Brent Koppelan is out on vacation right now, and he actually endorsed me to do this. I'm not doing this behind his back, and I am grateful for the opportunity. In fact, this may become a somewhat regular thing. Of course, we will primarily and almost exclusively co-host together, But uh, as the Director of Disciple by Doing here at church, with an increasing role in various ministries, I am grateful and privileged to be able to do a solo podcast once in a while. In fact, today I'm going to do a two-part episode. Episodes 34 and 35, I've entitled Goal Setting. Goal Setting Part 1, Goal Setting Part 2. I am a very goal-oriented person. Now, let me just say at the onset of the podcast here, uh, this is not to be conflated with works righteousness, but it is to say that anyone that endeavors to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, I posit, regardless of personality, age, spiritual giftings, or anything else you could uh, measure one by, this is for everybody, goal setting. It's a matter of living intentionally and also living uh, oftentimes, as we've talked about in past podcasts, with the margin that's necessary to live intentionally. In other words, goal setting isn't about being as productive as possible in every single minute of the day or every aspect of one's life. In fact, that is counterproductive to the ultimate goal of goal setting, and I would argue that is relationships. So let me just give by way of uh, introduction why I want to focus on goal setting and how does this relate to disciple by doing and or Uh, podcast Roots and Branches. This has been a work of most of my 54 and a half years of life on the earth. Uh, I am, like I mentioned, a goal-oriented person, but that isn't just measured by uh, one category. In fact, let me just propose to you, uh, audience, uh, many of whom or most of whom are from New Life Church, but also listeners from around the country and on the world, I'm going to talk about four main categories over these two podcasts. And before I get to those categories, I've developed a three-phrase alliterative way to measure goals, all based on somewhat loosely uh, time-based. So I call them medium, excuse me, I call them mini-goals medium goals and mega goals. Now, that was a phrase that I developed uh, with the support of my staff through uh, Jughead's youth juggling company, which I ran for many years. And uh, simply put, medium or excuse me, mini goals got to start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. Okay, mini goals are essentially what could you accomplish today or this hour, like right now. And again. A lot of that philosophy is based on how I've coached many hundreds and, and well over a thousand or maybe a couple of thousand students and and even adults how to juggle medium, uh, mini goals. How do you uh, do something as accomplishable or you could accomplish right now in the next uh, one to 20 hours or whatever, how long you stay awake. Medium goals are seasonal based, like this season, this year, and mega goals are this decade or this year. Uh, era of life or this lifetime and so again those three ones now i'll say it in order mini goals medium goals Mega goals. That's just a way to simply delineate down to the smallest baby step, as What About Bob, the 1991 movie, talks about baby steps, baby steps. How can you make the smallest step possible? In fact, Dave Ramsey, uh, the famous Christian financial advisor and and broadcaster and author, talks about baby steps on the way toward financial freedom. uh, And then Bob, played by Bill Murray in 1991, What About Bob, talks about the baby steps toward uh, mental health. It's a really good movie if you want to see it sometime. And, uh, so that's the, the baby steps are first and, and that is all to say, a lot of us get overwhelmed by what I'll unfold in just a minute here, the categories of goal setting that I'll just propose. And of course there's many categories. I'm just going to focus on four over these two episodes. We can get overwhelmed by the mountain of an accomplishment, but that's where I would say that will be a mega goal. What's the median goal? What can I do right now, this hour, this day, this very day to accomplish a small goal? And then the medium goal would be a season or a, perhaps a year. And then a mega goal would be perhaps a decade, a life stage, or a lifetime. Okay, so with that background in mind, in fact, I'm gonna, I don't uh, know the origin of this quote that my wife Wendy recently said. And forgive me, audience, maybe one could uh, email me and tell me the source of this quote. But I really like this wisdom of this quote. Here it is. We overestimate what we can accomplish in a year but we underestimate what we can accomplish in five years, or one might say 10 years. I can't remember the exact quote or the uh, who quoted that, but that is an interesting thing to think about. So right now, I'm recording this on January 3rd, 2024. Happy birthday to J.R.R. Tolkien, 132 years ago today he was born. We underestimate what we can do in five years, but then a lot of us get paralyzed by saying, I want to do everything in 2024. I want to lose weight. I want to get my finances in order. I want to accomplish a dream, either career-wise or family-wise or a personal skill or hobby. In fact, I'm hinting at the categories right now but by saying those things. So again, uh, let's not get overwhelmed. Again, we, regardless of your personality, Brent and I have talked often about being go-getters and type A and a lot of us uh, are in that boat. But on the other hand, there's a lot of wisdom both for those type A go-getters to slow down and and reassess what is a true goal, what is a true accomplishment. And it's also good for those who might need a little bit of a uh, a, a nudge, uh, a little nudge out of the door like Gandalf did to Bilbo when he went to fight Smog, the dragon and such. Uh, We need a little nudge to get our uh, act in order, whatever they are. Okay, so with all that background in mind, I'm just going to lay out Very briefly, the four main categories that I will unfold in this episode and the next one, part two, which if you're keeping score at home, that would be episodes 34 and 35. So, physical goals, spiritual goals, financial goals, and skillful goals. Those are the four categories I will outline right here. And again, yes, I am talking from a lot of life experience, from my own trials and errors. None of these are... Are, are mere theoretical or academic. They are very much, I have learned the hard way in all of these areas uh, for greater or lesser extents. So there's some, of course, the Lord has given us all different gifts and different tendencies that are strengths and that are weaknesses, but those are areas that I have experienced uh, through either my own trial and error or noticing the lives of others, how to avoid certain trials and errors in order to accomplish my goal. So, This episode, I will focus on the physical and the spiritual. Another way to say that we physical is body, spiritual is spirit, of course. Uh, And then the next episode, financial and skillful. And of course, financial, that's self-explanatory, but I just define that as money, means, provision, but also giving It is a discipline to give. There's a goal of giving, and that's something we can talk about as well. We will next episode. And then skillful, uh, mind. So if physical is body and spiritual is spirit, of course, skillful is mind. But that directly relates to career, relates to calling, relates to even hobbies. Remember, because remember that Abraham Kuyper verse, or, or not verse, but quote that Brent and I often share, there's not one square inch over this whole creation over which the Lord Jesus is sovereign, that he does not cry mine. That's a butchered quote. I apologize for that. But Kuyper, the Dutch theologian from the 19th century, uh, I believe he lived into the early 20th century, uh, just summarized that in one. Jesus is sovereign over all, therefore even hobbies are under his domain, and therefore glorify God in your hobbies. (laughs) It sounds like a Bible verse. Glorify God in your body, but also glorify God in your hobbies. Okay, so with all that in mind... I do want to start with a very good verse uh, that has the word goal in it in the ESV, which is my preferred translation here. I'll, I'll refer to that a lot in the next couple episodes. Uh, Paul the Apostle said, actually it's 13 and 14, uh, in fact, I'll give you the 13, the whole verse, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, that is uh, resurrection from the dead and salvation in the context of all of chapter 3 of Philippians. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus." That could be a good theme verse for any one goal setting. Again, what I said a few minutes ago, I propose everybody, especially every Christ follower, should have goals. That does not mean necessarily New Year's resolutions. In fact, I'm not a big proponent of saying, now it's the new year, I'm going to set 50 things I'm going to do, and then as the Babylon Bee might joke, by January 2nd or January 10th, you're all done. You've already broken the diet, you've already spent too much money, you've already done all the other things that broke your discipline. That's not the point. I believe every day of one's life, goals can be both set and attained as long as they have both reality and discipline and also motivation for the right reason. Okay, so Philippians... 3, 13, 14 is a good uh, one to remember as we think about goals. The upward goal of—excuse me, I'll say it again. I'll read read the text again. Uh, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, so now, <clears throat> 10 minutes into episode 34, let me focus on physical goals. And I will just say there's two major categories of physical goals, that is nutrition and exercise. One of my favorite topics. Now, you might be saying, why are you studying a physical instead of spiritual? Well, remember, another quote that Pastor Brent often has said is, we are embodied souls and ensouled bodies. Okay, Uh, I can't remember if that's his quote or if if that's in his theological studies, but that's a really good quote. We can't extract, uh, except through death, (laughs) the body from the soul. In fact, even when we die, our souls go immediately to be in the presence of the Lord. That is, to be absent from the body it is to be present with the Lord. That's good news for any believer that is in Christ Jesus. But there's some mystery about us being longing for that resurrection body. And we will get a resurrection body that's impervious to pain or suffering or even aging on the new earth. And that will be when Jesus comes uh, to set up his kingdom on the earth and we have our permanent new body, which will last forever and ever. So I don't think it's sacrilege to start with physical because God has ordained the physical to be holy and to be his ultimate long-term goal. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned, before they sinned, God did not mean for them to ever die. And by another mystery I'd like to just put in, he didn't mean for animals to die. Only after they sinned did animals die. That's another topic we referred to a little bit, and I love that uh, fleshed out by Randy Alcorn in his heaven book. Okay, so back to uh, the physical goals, nutrition and exercise. Now, um, uh, I, I I'm gonna start with this. I, many years ago, I, I'll just say this, okay, I struggled a lot about from age thirty, To age, uh, certainly uh, in my 30s, but even on and off again, even to my 50s or my age 50, this 20 year span of a lot of roller coaster up and down nutritional struggles. First, it was the obvious at age 30. Anybody that's lived to 30 knows that metabolism slows down and I still ate like a teenager, okay, until I was about 30. And then I was also working with youth and I spun off my company from uh, Wise Guys to make Jugheads full time for myself and my wife. And uh, I really didn't uh, stop drinking pop. I didn't stop eating like a teenager. And and I ballooned for about half of my 30s to over 200 pounds. Okay, my high school weight, my driver's license was 160. And then I kind of got up to 175. Uh, But then by the time I was in my mid-30s, I actually hit 213. So that's what is that 53 pounds over my sophomore year driver's license. And then I started running marathons and that helped to mitigate a little bit But then I realized, uh, and this kind of relates to exercise as well, I could not outrun my extra calories. So in other words, even when I started doing marathons, my first one was at age 27 and then I did uh, four or five again in my 30s and I couldn't outrun eating poorly. And so I want to say that both nutrition and exercise really do go hand in hand. Uh, But I would say at this age, after doing 12 marathons, uh, my approach to fitness... Overall fitness, that would be diet and exercise, uh, is about 80 to 90% what I eat. And it's about 10 to 20% what I do. In other words, I can't outrun it. However, there is a place for that. One of my uh, dear friends, who was a a Jughead's dad and a a medical doctor um, named Mark Bransell, Dr. Mark Bransell, his son Stefan was a world class juggler and a coach with me for five years he would often say, uh, do what you can maintain, whatever it is, nutrition and exercise, but he'd also say, do resistance training. So in other words, if you're a swimmer, you don't wanna just swim, you wanna actually get out and do resistance. If something as simple as walking or running, and of course there's all the aerobic exercises as well, that does build muscle and muscle does help you to metabolize the calories all day long. So there is definitely a place for exercise uh, and gardening counts by the way, that's a very good whole body exercise, workout is to garden. Personally, my favorite thing is to do is to distance run. Uh, But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me back up the physical. And boy, I could take a whole episode on each of these categories. But in general terms, uh, I have boiled down, uh, no cooking pun intended, but I I have boiled down all of my uh, vices of what I shouldn't eat to two categories. One is refined sugar And the other is vegetable oils or seed oils. Uh, I call them frankenfoods. Actually, I don't call them that, but some of my nutrition experts I have followed and read and listened to call them frankenfoods. I I won't go... A lot into all of that. Uh, there are some good movies I can refer to. In fact, one documentary is Food Inc., and there's others, and there's many books. One book I will mention by name is Genius Foods. That when I finally read that at age 50, I had read several other nutrition books, and I've been gluten free for the most part for many years. But the great thing about Genius Foods, it tells me what I should eat as opposed to only what I should avoid. But the reason I brought up vices in the first place, I actually do have vices um, on a weekly basis, typically on weekends. And again, I I define those as vegetable oils, what you find in chips and you find in a lot of foods, certainly fries, French fries and a lot of fast foods. Um, And uh, uh, but the, the genius foods talks about what I should eat. And so let's say instead of seed oils or vegetable oils, I eat a lot of coconut oil, avocado oil and olive oil, of course, olive oil. Most people know that's good for you, but that's a very, very good fat so in my 30s and and into most of my forties, I couldn't outrun poor nutrition. And then I started eating a lot healthier. And actually, one of my quirks is I do weigh myself every single day. That is a cosmetic indicator of what's going on at the cellular level. The various nutrition books I've read uh, actually talk about some acronym AGE, and I forgot what it stands for exactly. But when we eat poorly, even if you do have a svelte weight, let's say you have your high school weight still, if you're eating poorly at the cellular level, your, your, your cells are stressed because of not getting the proper nutrition, not getting these cells uh, thriving and repairing and actually having the antioxidants to fight off the free radicals in the body. Again, I'm not a nutritionist and, and anything I say in these podcasts and other podcasts for that matter is my opinion, not advice, but I will say, think about what you're eating. Think about if you are in a rut, whether you are uh, cosmetically the way you wanna be or not, It's what's going on inside. And that goes back to the fact that we have different body types. No no matter how well I eat, I'm not going to look like uh, a marathon runner, or should I say a world-class marathon runner. I'm going to still be uh, in the 160-pound range, but I am able to maintain that because of my nutrition. So one thing I do every day regarding my nutrition is uh, I, I pretty much eat the same thing for breakfast and lunch every day. I won't go through the details. That would just take too much time. I'm just saying I, I'm very pro good fats. I'm very uh, low in my grains but I'm very copious as I eat my vegetables and even fruits. Now, some nutritional say, oh, don't have any too many fruits because of the sugar. Well, my opinion is that the fiber of the fruits definitely offset the sugar of the fruits. And there are some YouTubers I've seen that are, are, are quasi-nutrition experts that agree. And um, there's a lot of... Uh, Varying opinions about how many fruits you can eat, and all those things. But for that matter, there's opinions about whether she did it all organic or whatever. Do what you can maintain. Do something to avoid the Franken foods. And for that matter, even diet soda, by the way, sucralose is, my opinion is, that's something to be cautious about because of the chemicals. We don't want to have toxicity through chemicals all the time. We already have it all around us. What can we do to have our body healthy in that way? hydration is another big thing, by the way, uh, I used to think I drank a lot and still I started until I started logging my water. And now uh, just just to let you know a little bit about myself, I do try to drink about 150 ounces of water a day, you might say, Whoa, it's a lot. Well, I do start the day with coffee as well. Actually, the first thing I do is I drink a liter of water. And then uh, a half hour to an hour later, I'll have my breakfast. And then um, if it's a running day, which I, I'll get to this in a second, I only run about three days a week now. In my 50s, but I try to maintain that year round. Uh, but the water. It's not only great for digestion as someone that's used my voice my whole life as a performer and a youth worker and a speaker and, and that sort of thing. I need the the voice to be well lubricated with my water, but it's really about digestion primarily. Hydration is so important. And then even though I do have coffee in the morning and I often have kombucha or let's say a spindrift in the afternoon or with my evening supper, I don't drink a lot of other things. So it's not so hard for me to slam the water. Plus... Uh, my my whole family tends to be big water drinkers. My my brother Tom, my sister Jean, are copious water drinkers as well. Um, and while before I get to exercise, I'm going to just uh, give you the top five reasons that I am so focused on nutrition and exercise and I developed this several years ago uh, probably 10 years ago when I was trying to justify okay is it right for me to do all these marathons to be so one might say obsessed but I would say focused it's probably a more positive word and believe me I've been there done that when I haven't been focused and I I, uh, tend toward sloth if I'm not diligent to focus and force myself to exercise and eat right. Top five reasons I do that Uh, In one word each, I would say God, marriage, career, vitality, and longevity. Those are five reasons, and in that order. So, in the Lord, we live and move and have our being. That's what Paul said when he preached in uh, Athens. I believe it's called the Mars Hill Sermon in Acts 17. In the Lord, we live and move and have our being. Well, that's a lot of good reasons that the Lord is the number one reason I try to keep my body fit. And I'll get to the other reasons later, lest you think I am trying to live to 100. That's not necessarily the goal. Okay. The number one earthly priority in my life is my wife, Wendy. But anybody listening, you can think about your family. Even if you're a single person, you can think about who is the most dear to you, your siblings, your parents. Uh, It could be honorary family, which I am a big advocate for being that Wendy and I don't have children of our own in the natural sense. So if God is the top priority, the Lord Jesus Christ and God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, the triune God is my top priority for fitness and exercise, and my marriage is my second priority, along with family and, um, and those closest to me. Career and ministry is, is the third reason, and that's so I have the energy, the lucidity, and the fruitfulness to be the best I can be. In other words, I don't want to get in the Lord's way. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit by living poorly so that I'm either having uh, energy issues, mood swings, or or even physical incapacitation that would not allow me to have my feet readied to bring the gospel of peace according to the armor of God in Ephesians 6. Fourthly, vitality. So I... Um, I prioritize my nutrition and my exercise daily, and I could even one I could say hourly, even on vice days, even when I have like Thanksgiving dinner and Christmas Eve and new Year's Eve and and, and church pot blessings, as I like to call them, uh, even when I have that occasional piece of wheat or or even a, a bag of chips or whatever that is partly to celebrate together and to enjoy it, but it's not to be mastered by it. As my uh, chiropractic nutritionist once told me, you can enjoy life, but change your lifestyle. So I do not deprive myself for an end in itself. I do it toward the goal of having vitality, quality of life. And then finally, longevity, quality of life. There's a lot of biblical basis, including in Ephesians 6, uh, when it says, obey your parents that you may live long on the earth. And the Apostle Paul was directly quoting from uh, the Old Testament in the Ten Commandments when he said, we want to obey the Lord for long life. And again, from my personal, very personal experience uh, with many people dying from my childhood until, uh, well, until my uh, middle age years, I know that life is not guaranteed. And oftentimes... A death will wake up the living, according to Ecclesiastes 7, two, It's better to go to the house of mourning, than to the house of feasting, because the living will lay at the heart. That's the end of all man. Okay, that's a little bit of a different order of the quote, but look up Ecclesiastes 7.2. I know that life is not guaranteed, but as long as it depends on us, just like the Apostle Paul said, live at peace with all people, as long as it depends on us, we should steward our bodies through nutrition and exercise, for those five things. The Lord, our immediate family, and closest circles of friends, our career, and that would include calling, Not because many of you in the listening audience don't necessarily work for money, whether you're retired or stay-at-home mom or whatever you do, you might not be paid to do what you do, but we all have callings, okay? Also the quality of life and the quantity of life. Okay, so that is um, a, a way to introduce a shorter topic in this two-part uh, episode of the two-part episode. The, the second part here will be uh, exercise. Now, again, uh, even though I've admitted that I don't, uh, I don't exercise as an end in itself anymore. In other words, I can't outrun. Uh, eating poorly, I still really enjoy it. I, I've often said for many, many years, I do some of my best praying when I run, even if I had my podcast or not this podcast, but any podcast or music on when I'm running with my uh, my AirPods in. I, I, I kind of tune it out sometimes and I pray. I love praying. Um, and uh, if I do in a long run, let's say a 10-miler or more, I do walk breaks every mile. And it's just a neat way to just take that little Sabbath for a minute of walking in a two-hour run if I'm doing a 13-miler, say, at a nine-minute-mile pace. I really enjoy feeling the pleasure of the Lord, just like Eric Little, the 1924 Olympian who won the gold medal in the 400-meter dash. And that's a great story, Chariots of Fire. If you've not seen that movie, Best Picture of the Year, 1981, there's another movie reference for you. So exercise is important. Of course, I did allude to this earlier. The two major kinds of exercise are aerobic and anaerobic. I am not as good now as I was about doing, let's say, core workouts and and shoulders and, and certainly not free weights or, or bench. A lot of people are really into that great. Uh, what I've been doing is more just working around Arnishire and working um, on, uh, on working at ripe radish farm and things like that. Whatever you can do, do what you can do so you're active. Use it or lose it, as the old adage goes. Okay. Uh, and while I'm on the topic of exercise, I'm going to just refer to what I said myself. There's a, a young man named Luke Schwant, who was a jughead for seven years, and he has a podcast called uh, the Skull Football Podcast, and twice he's had me on as his guest to talk about faith and sports. One was a little documentary he did about Adam Thielen, the former Minnesota Viking who is a Christ follower. Now I believe he plays for the Carolina Panthers, but he was a really popular Minnesota homegrown boy who grew up in Detroit Lakes, and then he went to uh, uh, University of Minnesota Mankato and uh, and or Mankato excuse me Mankato State. It wasn't U of M uh, branch; it was Mankato State. Uh, and then uh, now he's with the Panthers after being with the Vikings. He's kind of a Rudy character. Uh, and then Rule kept me back on again for sort of a, just an exclusive, not part of a documentary, but exclusive why do we, uh, or how are faith and sports related? And I'm going to share these with you here because I would argue, just like my top five list of God, marriage, ministry, vitality, and longevity, why do I focus on nutrition and exercise so much as goals? Uh, but there, I believe there's a biblical parallel between physical fitness or sports, and the Christian faith. One is both physical endeavors and the Christian faith produce endurance that leads to character, and the biblical citation is Romans 5, 1 to 5. Also, both physical fitness and sports relate to Christianity in that they develop teamwork um, or, or they they encourage teamwork, leading to humility and developing humility. And I would argue, even if you're like me and you're primarily a distance runner, and a lot of your goals, both nutritionally and exercise-wise, are are uh, kind of. Solo, which I do prefer to run solo because, like I said, I do some of my best praying when I run. There's a wonderful camaraderie that happens when you share with others, whether it's my 63 year old brother Tom or my 29 year old nephew Levi, who just did a half Ironman, which is amazing. I had to cheer him on in September of 2023. Now he's going to, he is training for a full Ironman. So to share that together, we are we're we're uh, sharpening each other and it's in a sense a teamwork. Uh, when I did distance running a couple of seasons in high school, I kind of dabbled in it cuz I was big into theater as you might have heard me talk about in the past. There is a camaraderie that happens when two people share the same physical goals even though they're they're um parallel with each other or even really different from each other. They could just share, how are you doing with your running? How are you doing with your nutrition? And I really like to accumulate people like that in my life that, that kind of resonate with that, whether it's somebody that's just learning about proper nutrition, somebody that's just learning about running and proper shoes and, and even walk breaks and how to make it, uh, you know, running for mortals, as you might say. And then thirdly, uh, both sports and exercise parallel the Christian life by having small victories pointing toward the ultimate goal uh, an ultimate victory of Christ. There are two biblical references I'm going to use, and I really love these passages. I may have referred to these in the past with Pastor Brent on our podcast, but I'm going to read it again, even if I have. And so, think about your own goals with nutrition and exercise. And and as I read this from First Corinthians nine twenty four to twenty seven, think about your motivation and how you can set mini goals, medium goals, and mega goals toward your fitness goals. This is 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive an imper- a perishable wreath when that dies. And by the way, that's like the garland around the head in the ancient Olympics. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we, Christians, an imperishable wreath. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So there you go. The Apostle Paul directly using an Olympic analogy about self-control in all things to say that's how the Christian life should be. Be self-controlled in all things. Again, that does jump a little bit ahead to the spiritual goals, which my goodness, I was going to do that in episode... I'm going to have to wait for episode uh, 35 to talk about spiritual goals, but of course, this introduction got to be really long and I fleshed this out a lot. But uh, as a way to wrap up this episode 34... I'm going to read another passage from the Apostle Paul. This was toward the end of his life. First Timothy is talking to Timothy, his protégé, uh, as as um, he was mentoring him through his uh, early ministry. And who, who knows how long Paul min, uh, mentored Timothy? But probably a good couple of decades. Remember, uh, Paul and Peter and the other greats of the faith that wrote much of the New Testament—they didn't just preach for a few years and then and get martyred. They were on the scene a long time. And so this is. Uh, This is, yeah, sorry for my notes. 1 Timothy 4, 7b to 10. Train yourself for godliness. Again, this is the parallel between the Christian faith and physical fitness, both nutrition and exercise. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So the the operative phrase there that I want you to take away from First Timothy four eight is bodily training is of some value. Godliness is of value in every way. In a marketing, that's what we call a hook. I'll start off the episode 35 talking right away about the spiritual disciplines, the spiritual goals we can all set, such as Bible reading, prayer, fellowship, and ministry service and such. But right now, boy, as usual, my words, even with rather minimal notes, can easily fill a 30-minute podcast. And if I was all over the map, I just challenge you listeners, please think about about, not just because it's the new year in in 2024, uh, but in every day of your life, as you fix your eyes on Jesus, think about how you can become more godly in the physical realm so that you can be more uh, uh, trained for godliness for the spiritual realm as you endeavor to serve the Lord Jesus in this day and age. So... We thank you very much for listening today. And uh, this is my first solo podcast. I'm glad to be uh, here with you in 2024. And one more episode before I welcome Pastor Brent back from vacation. This is Paul Arneberg, Director of Disciples by Doing Roots and Branches, signing off.